All of it is supported by Missouri, makers of handcrafted jewelry that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Missouri has you covered. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Welcome back to All of It. Next up, Internet Addiction the Musical. It exists as a fascinating show called Octet about a support group for people who are hooked on dating apps, games, following Twitter mobs. Octet received five Lortel nominations, including Outstanding Musical. The music is performed completely a cappella by the cast of eight. The show was created by Dave Malloy, who I spoke to when the show was running at the Signature Theater. I began by asking Dave where the idea for a show about internet addiction support groups originated. I typically like to make theater pieces about whatever I'm obsessed with at the moment. So like when I read War and Peace, I was obsessed with that book. And so that turned into a musical. (laughs) Um, And in recent years, I've found myself, uh, you know, in both positive and negative ways, really obsessed with the internet (laughs) and all the various things on the internet. And then specifically, I found myself falling down this crazy rabbit hole of getting really into uh, scientific debate on the internet and specifically the argument between like uh, creationists and intelligent designers and, and evolutionary theorists. And just like watching how that debate kind of just watching these minds like hit each other, you know, it, it, it hit, hit minds hitting each other like they're concrete walls and just seeing how not actual discourse was happening at all. And just seeing like how people were so inspired to like write these fiery comments and have the, these arguments. And I something about that really, really rang a chord with me. And like not not just the content of that, but the drive that compels people to continue to post comment after comment on that. And then I'm also like a bit of a video game addict. So like that was something I was very aware of as well. I've had, you know, throughout my life, I've had various uh, moments with Legend of Zelda and then World of Warcraft in particular was a was a really hard one. And then Candy Crush was, you know, on my phone. So just kind of looking at those things about myself and thinking like, wow, this is actually the thing I'm spending most of my time thinking about. Also, my social media presence and especially as, as Great Comet went to Broadway, like having a much larger social media presence than I'd ever had before and like wrestling with that. And like, do I want to be... The the activist kind of like celebrity on Twitter or do I want to be like the funny kind of person on Twitter and just like being like, who am I? So all of these things were what I was thinking about. And so I was like, well, okay, I will make a show about this to wrestle with all these thoughts. It's, I was thinking about it after I saw the show, the stage manager, I don't know if this is intentional or not, is this very forceful, handsome guy who's like, turn off your cell phones. Oh, yes. <laughs> and at first you're like, God, this guy's he's not menacing, but he's very serious mm-hmm. about it. And then I realized this really does set the tone for the rest of the show. Like you have to get rid of your, you have to turn off your phone. Yeah. You know, and all you realize for the next, what's, how long is it, 90, 90 minutes? 90, 95. 95 minutes, that's what we're going to talk about, yeah. like getting separated from the technology and how that makes certain people feel and, and the experiences they're having when they are sucked in into the tech. Uh, I'm curious, you know, that could have been a great play. Mm. So <laughs> so what was it about it being a musical? What did a, a musical allow you to do mm. with the subject matter that you think a play maybe wouldn't allow you to do? Sure. I mean, I, I've always come at theater as a, as a musician and composer first. So like music is just the language it's that just I the way you do it. speak in. But I, I do think like the, the thing that I didn't want the show to turn into was something that was just 
you know, very, very Luddite-ish and very like patronizing and righteous and being like, you need to get off of the internet and blah, blah, blah. So there, there was something <laughs> about that, that even though I wrote an entire show that basically is about that, still when I hear people talking like that, I immediately like start to cringe and like get defensive and like, no, the internet is great for all these things. So there was, there was something about just talking about the, the practicality of it was not quite all I wanted to say, like there's a deeper, like emotional and spiritual mm -hmm. thing going on in terms of what people are doing on the internet and how people are trying to connect with things. And in some places, sometimes are in, in fact, amazingly beautifully connecting with people and connecting with things larger than themselves. And so that idea of connecting with something larger than yourself, uh, I was like, oh, that's religion, that's spirituality. And so I think for me, the, what the music does is it, it takes it you know, away from just that purely intellectual debate and into a more of a spiritual place. And, and visceral, because yeah. music is this thing you can't you can't think about how you're going to respond. Yeah, absolutely. Your, and, your and foot taps whether you want it to or not. Yeah, yeah. And empathy. I mean, empathy is such a huge theme in the yeah. show. And like empathy is something we're all struggling with on the Internet. And how do you, yeah, how do you radiate empathy into the world when you're in contact with, you know, billions and billions of people? And uh, I think music just is something that, yeah, gets past all the, the words and the intellect and just makes you feel things on an empathetic level viscerally in your body. Yeah. My guest is Dave Malloy. We're talking about his new musical octet at the Signature Theater Center through June 30th. So octet, there are these eight characters. Can you give me a quick thumbnail of a few of them so folks can know what to expect? Sure. Yeah. So the, the show kind of starts uh, starts with some very like common Internet themes. So the, the first woman we hear from, Jessica, is a woman who has just recently been Internet shamed. Uh, and actually, John Ronson's book, So You've Been mm -hmm. Publicly Shamed, was a huge inspiration for this piece. And uh, just kind of in the last couple of years, watching the various shamings of people and watching, you know, some like very, very powerful people be like rightfully taken down. And then other just like just, you know, strangers, just like yeah. normal people on the street who happen to have a bad day and say a bad thing and get filmed and then suddenly their lives are destroyed. Um, so that, that's a woman coming from that point of view, from, from that mm -hmm. place as a woman who has had that recently happen to her and her struggling with empathy and how do I get away from that and also like the pull of actually being drawn to it and like she can't stop reading all the terrible comments that are being written about her. Um, yeah, so she, she just got to tell us, I'm the angry white woman on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, <laughs> you've all seen my, my white woman goes crazy videos yes. is where she starts. Yeah. And uh, so she's our first person. And then our second uh, sharer is a Candy Crush addict. Uh, starts with Candy Crush, but then specifically, you know, other video games in, in general. And that was very much, that's probably the most autobiographical piece in the, yeah. <laughs> in the show. Um, it's also the one that is super fun in the beginning yeah. and then takes a dark turn towards yeah. the end, which is, which, which is unexpected. I mean, sort of intellectually expected, but as you're in the music and then you're like, oh my God, he's singing about not leaving his house yeah. and not taking a bath. And you start to really feel sort of how tragic it could become for someone, yeah. this, how a silly game like Candy Crush can lead to something darker. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's the tragedy of the whole internet experience, I find, is that, like, there are, like, like, I love video games, you know, and not, like, not, not Candy Crush specifically, but, like, some other video games that I've played, like, I, you know, I recently played, like, Red Dead Redemption 2 and, like, mm -hmm. The Witcher 3, and, like, some of these games are, like, incredibly beautiful, like, emotional experiences, you know, and I've cried playing video games and being immersed in that world, and, like, the way you can tell a story through a video game is just unlike any other art form. So it's, like, it's this amazing, beautiful thing, and I absolutely am not, like, a person like you should no, play not video at all. games. Um, but, like, at the same time, like, you know, when I was playing The Witcher 3, like, 
there were days like that. There were days where like it's a beautiful day outside and my friends are texting and I'm just like in the world. And like eight hours later, I'm like, oh, God, I haven't eaten dinner today, you know. Um, so it's just like, you know, kind of seeing that balance and, yeah. and we're trying to find that balance is, is a lot of what these characters are, are wrestling with. Another one which I thought was really interesting because it wasn't necessarily about the Internet. It was about the device mm. coming between a husband and wife in their bedroom. Yeah. The glow, the blue glow. And Absolutely. it was just that's a heartbreak. It's a really heartbreaking account. And I'm sort of I'm curious about. You know, you talk about relationships a lot. Mm-hmm. There's, there are, there's a dating, there's one about dating apps. What did you want to explore about the internet and the webs, the way it's changed the way we deal with each other? Yeah. Yeah, my, my um, so there's a, there's a term, fubbing, which is to be on your device when you're with someone physically. And so, <laughs> so it's like when you're, when you're fubbing someone, it means you know, you're looking at your phone as opposed to oh, being Oh, P-H-U, like phone I'm, snubbing. Uh, is it a portmanteau of that? Yeah, I think it is. Oh my god, yeah, I think it totally is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my wife and I have a song because my wife, you know, because like we're, we're together all the time, we're on our phones, so we do that sometimes. But now when we do it, we have a song that we sing. We're just fubbing away, fubbing away. <laughs> so, so for us, it's like at least being aware that we're doing that, yeah. like at least being cognizant of it and like acknowledging it to each other, you know, goes a long way towards keeping us connected uh, with each other. That that song also was was you know autobiographical like uh, there was and, th- and that song like I am both the singer and the husband in, yes. that, in that song as is my <laughs> wife like we've both been that person uh, in the bed and actually one of the best changes I've made in my life like in researching the show was I, I read this amazing book uh, by Catherine Price how to break up with your phone and just one of her like just like it's it's, it's a super like pragmatic you know mm-hmm. like 30 here's a 30 day guide for like how to improve your relate it's not actually about breaking up with your phone but like how to improve your relationship with your phone um, and just one of her pieces of advice is just to move the phone out of the bedroom, like just like the charging station, just like yeah. have it being charged in the living room. And so when you go to bed at night, it's like off in another room and then you can't do that. And that like really simple little thing, I, I think, has actually improved the quality of my life and, and the quality of, of our my, my relationship with my wife. Like we're now just like a little more cognizant and like. Uh, of keeping that time sacred. Yeah, present yeah. with each other, yeah. not, with, not yeah. with the the device. Yeah. My guest is Dave Malloy. We're talking about his new a cappella musical Octet at the Signature Theater. The I'm curious about the decision to make it a cappella. Mm. Why, why did you make that choice? Definitely. Um, well, two things. I mean, so first of all, like I just love a cappella music. I mean, that that's basically the way I got into music was at my high school. We just had two incredible choir teachers, and one like conducted like the, the, the classical choirs, and one did the jazz choir. And so I was in very active in both of those groups. And like they are my main main musical mentors, uh, Gerald Wendrek and John Drotleff at Lakewood High School in, in Ohio. And uh, so yeah, that's kind of how I fell in love with music was through singing. And I still think the voice is just the most uh, versatile and amazing instrument there is. And then, like, for me, I always want to make the music, like, a really integral part of the the dramaturgy and of what the show actually is. And in this piece, once I realized that it was going to be, like, basically a 12-step meeting, that was going to be these eight people just kind of sharing their... Uh, their addictions with each other and their struggles with each other. That's such a vulnerable space and they're like sharing themselves so deeply and it has to be such a place of sacred trust. 
that I just realized there couldn't be a band. There couldn't be like a band in the corner not also like sharing and being that vulnerable. So it just wouldn't have made any sense. And I hate the idea of an offstage band. Like I just viscerally will never ever do that. Um, so as soon as I realized that, I was like, oh, this is great. Cause now I get to write my acapella musical. Like, <laughs> it was actually such, such, a, such a great revelation to realize, oh, this is actually the dramaturgically the best thing to do. And this means for me as a composer, this is going to be so much fun. What does that do? How does that affect the staging mm. and the direction when you don't have a band, when you just have the actors and their voices? Yeah, quite quite a bit. Um, so one one thing we l realized early on was that we needed to have in-ear monitors for the actors because if, if they were just sitting in a circle and like watching each other the entire time, like they could just sing it without any kind of monitor. But the second that they like stand up and start to move, like and there's no conductor, so <laughs> the second that happens, uh, the music would just start to fall apart. So so that was one big consideration. So once we got those in-ear monitors, then we were free to have them kind of room about and then our director Annie Tip uh, who's just absolutely stunning like I think her work on this piece is extraordinary so she really plays with that so we start in the circle and mm -hmm. they're just singing you know looking at each other but then as the show goes on that circle starts to break and then you know by the time we're in like the ninth song the ceiling lights are descending and we're just in a completely another like magical realism surrealist world uh, which you know the inner monitors and the lack of conductor uh, ma made possible. Yeah. How did it um, affect the casting? Mm. What did you have to look for in your actors? We had to look for virtuosos, <laughs> like absolute virtuoso singers. And, you know, I'm lucky I've been in New York for about 10 years now. So over those 10 years, I've just gotten to know a ton of extraordinary singers. Um, and but, but for this type of music, it's like you actually need, it's not just that you need extraordinary singers. Like acapella singing is a very particular skill. And you could have someone who might be an extraordinary soloist and can like bring the house down with a, with a solo, but wouldn't necessarily have all those skills to be able to sing like in tight, tight harmony with mm -hmm. you know, seven other people. So we were specifically looking for people that had acapella experience. And so most of our cast, I think, has at one time or another either been in you know an acapella music uh, acapella uh, group in college or other acapella musicals they all kind of have that training and I think like of the entire cast like Annie and I knew seven of them like only one person came to us out of casting just because like we, uh, we, we were like thinking who do we know that right. can handle this material well now that we've set it up let's let people listen a little bit sure. this song is called monster yes. tell us about monster and then we'll listen um, so throughout the piece, there are kind of two central metaphors in the piece. There's one of the forest, which is a kind of a, a place that represents, you know, uh, just con connection with nature and connection with each other and kind of being away from devices. And then there is the monster. And the monster is a metaphor for all the different things the Internet can be. I, I think in this song, like in my mind, this is like the most political song I've ever written, because in my mind, the song is kind of more explicitly about Donald Trump in particular <laughs> in terms of the monster and just seeing how, how many of my friends uh, spend so much of their time thinking about that man and thinking about and like reading his tweets and like just and like what does that actually do to your mind to be thinking about something so toxic and awful so much of your time. Um, so that's what this song is about. Let's take a listen to Monster from Dave Malloy's new show, Octet. <laughs> There's a 
My guest is Dave Malloy. That was Monster from Octet. It's interesting because it's it's such a classic form of singing, a cappella music, but it also this feels really inventive and disruptive in the best way. So I'm curious because a lot of your work is really interesting and really kind of ex- expands on the traditional. Is there something traditional in theater though you think really must may be maintained? Any part of uh, sort of theatric tradition you think, like, you know what? Hmm. We should hold on to that. That's an interesting question. Um, well, I mean, I, for, for me, the, the most magical thing about theater and, like, what, what distinguishes it from other art forms is, like, the, the just absolute awareness that you are in a room full of people. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, that sounds so basic. But that, but that truly that the actors and the audience are in the same room together and you're not pretending that that isn't happening. And I think, you know, some, like for me, the most interesting theater is the theater that deliberately breaks that fourth wall. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think you can do amazing things with a strong proscenium and a fourth wall and people never go past that. But I like it when you are really acknowledging the fact that, yes, we're all in here together and all the actors can see you. Like, the actors are here in this room room with you um so that feels to me like a really core part of what theater is and like if it's not doing that then it's it can still be great but then it's you know probably film or or a concert it's, it's like something different it's a presentation or something yeah 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 oh that's so interesting so yeah. wait I mentioned <laughs> the top about your i was think you might have been a classics major <laughs> like you're saying with the, I was, you got obsessed with to- were you I was a double major in English literature and music composition so that explains yeah, yeah. a lot <laughs> are you really drawn to these sort of traditional texts these these classic these what inspires yeah. you ab- about them uh, I mean, I feel th- interesting. Like, I'm most drawn to classic and traditional texts that are actually seriously ahead of their time. You know, like like War and Peace and Moby Dick are both like yeah. novels that absolutely just broke the idea of what a novel could be at the time they were written. So I'm I'm really interested in that and kind of postmodern things that appear a good hundred years before you know anyone else knew what they were up to. Um, and to me, there is something really, really profoundly beautiful about reading something that was written two, three hundred years ago and being like, oh, that's a thought I had yesterday. Or, oh, hmm. I saw that guy on the train today. Like, and just like that kind of commonality of human experience, knowing that we are these like strange creatures that have been around for a few thousand years, but like we're still feeling the same things that people were feeling a thousand, two thousand, four, three thousand, four thousand years ago. Um, that I find pretty, yeah, spiritually moving. Yeah. That was my conversation with composer, playwright, playwright, and lyricist Dave Malloy about his musical Octet, which received five Lortel nominations. All of it is supported by Majuri, makers of handcrafted, ethically sourced jewelry for every day that's made to last.
Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Missouri has taken the guesswork out of gifting, offering everything from dainty 14K solid gold pieces to pearls, diamonds, gemstones, and more. Make it personal with an engraving, or if you can't decide, check out their curated gift guide. Let them take care of the rest, gift wrapping included. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus easy returns and a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it.